Hi, so the reading today is 1 John 4, verses 1 to 6, uh, testing the spirits. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false spirits have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, of which you have heard that it is coming, and now it is already in the world. Little children, you are from God and have conquered them. For the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world. Therefore, what they say is from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us, and whoever is not from God does not listen to us. From this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. This is the word of the Lord. Well, Father, as we turn to your word, we welcome your Holy Spirit further and further. Thank you for your presence amongst us already, and would you take us deeper and further in you. We pray this in your name. Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. I've got to tell you this morning that confusion is going to be driven out of this building, and despair, hopelessness, just a fog is going to disappear because Jesus is amongst us this morning. I'm telling you, I'm going to share about who he is, and I'm so pumped this morning. But then we are going to pray that he will fill our hearts with courage. Because the world that we're facing has a truckload of confusion coming at us. It's everywhere. You know, you would think that um, the church is this, the church is that. Go onto YouTube, put anything vaguely Christian. You'll be hounded by weird videos, you know, with all, you know, crazy stuff everywhere. The media is, um, you know, putting its foot on the throat of the church. Who reads the Times? Or who will confess that they read the Times? You know, you might have seen Matthew Paris yesterday. I'm going to say this, even though he's not here, because he took, he took aim with his article at Anglicanism. He said, Anglic- Anglicanism... The Church of England has never believed in God. It's never been about God. So I just want to say, Matthew Paris, if you're watching this stream, you are deceived and you are wrong. And I'm going to show you this morning what God is up to. And what, what I'd like to do uh, today is walk through this passage. If you're joining us for the very first time, we're kind of mid-series looking through John, one of the three closest disciples of Jesus, one of his letters, we're about halfway through it, and we're going to walk through verse by verse. I want to give a context about what he's saying, then give you one of the keys to understanding how to make sense of all this stuff in the world, and then uh, apply that to the world that we're living in. Is that all right? So you need your Bible, although it might be on the screen. Uh, We've got um, Ben's dad on his induction on the screen. So we're going to work his fingers to the max 
um, and put him through his paces. Um, so if you haven't got it, but I just encourage you, bring a Bible to church so that when you read it in church and you read it on Monday, you can see, yeah, boom, that's what we were looking at and that's what it means. Right. We're looking at some pretty hardcore stuff this morning. Beloved, verse 1 of chapter 4, John picks up. Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. You would not hear our church talking that much about false prophets or about the word antichrist, which we're going to read in a few verses later. Partly because all that stuff makes up about 3% of the Bible, and it deserves no more than 3% of our attention. But it's here this morning, so we're going to deal with it. Now, we can kind of often fall into one trap or the other. At one end of the spectrum, we have been schooled by uh, a Western, rational, modernistic way of thinking that doesn't believe in anything spiritual. If you travel to somewhere like Africa, or like we did to the Arctic uh, a couple of years ago, you'll realize that way more of the world know that the spiritual reality is true and real. On the other end of the spectrum, we can just be crazy, paranoid, fixated, and all of that stuff. So John is giving some instruction to the church he's writing to, and he says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test them out. Now what does this look like? If you were with us last summer, you'll remember that the reality of the world, according to Scripture, is on three levels. Level one is where you and I live here on earth. We go about our day, we you know, live out our lives. That's the earth, zone one. The Bible also helps us understand that in the world, there's a second zone. And the Bible refers to it as the place where the devil... Satan, the Bible calls the prince of the power of the air, is ruling in this space. And it's full of evil spirits, full of demons. I'll just say, if you're joining us for the first time, welcome to the party. We're full on today, so strap yourself in. Um, And uh, in zone two, this is where demons exist, and God is sending angels to overcome them because they affect us. So if you've only lived ever in zone one, and you think, oh, I'm not really sure about that. Have you ever gone to someone's house and it's got a weird atmosphere? Or have you ever been to a town in our county and you think, oh, it just feels feels a bit heavy here? That's zone two affecting the atmosphere of zone one. Does this make sense? Right. The Bible also then says there's a third zone, heaven where God is, where he rules unopposed, where his reign is not quenched or hindered in any way. It's a place full of light and hope and peace and freedom and joy. That's zone three. So every single human being who's ever been born is born onto zone one on earth. But the devil, also known as the father of lies, sends his minions to sit on the shoulder of human beings and whisper lies and poison into their heads. doesn't mean that they're possessed like the exorcist, but the presence of evil spirits in zone two 
pushes down on every single human being. Unless you know God and you've been born again. Which means that you've come alive to God in zone three. And he then sends his spirit on to and into every human being who loves Jesus and welcomes him into their lives. So from zone three, God sends the Holy Spirit, the spirit of Jesus. Jesus can't be everywhere. So, but the Holy Spirit, the spirit of Jesus comes to every single person who will welcome him from zone three into zone one. And so John is saying, there's spirit stuff everywhere, but test the spirit so you know if it's from zone two or whether it's really of God coming from zone three. Does this make sense? Now, even if you've been born again, has anybody here occasionally on a bad day been oppressed by despair, hopelessness, sorrow, but they shouldn't be sorrowful, Uh, you know, apathy, whatever. Has anybody ever encountered that? Well, that's zone two. And the good news is it doesn't have to affect our lives because we've been given a higher reality from heaven, zone three. But that's where we need to understand that when we have thoughts like that, they're not always because we're a bit weird inside, although sometimes we are, <laughs> um, but, but they're, they're because the father of lies is saying, you're rubbish, you're not good enough, they're better than you, they're going to be richer than you, they're going to have a better life than you, blah, 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 blah. That's what the devil does who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. God comes to bring, and in all its fullness. And so this is what's going on here. Is this all right? Right. So, beloved, do not believe every spirit, even if someone is claiming this is of God or from God, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. Then John gives the key. By this you know the Spirit of God. This is how you know when God's Spirit coming from zone three, from heaven, is present. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist of which you have heard that it is coming, and now it is already in the world. So the key to this is that we know when it's the Holy Spirit of God because it confesses that Jesus was born in a stable 2,000 years ago, lived as a human being, and this is how we distinguish between that, that and that which is false. Every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. More than that, John does not mince his words. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which it must be. If you're not confessing Jesus, then, then you must be anti. And, and literally, in the original language, in the Greek, it is Antichristos. It's the opposing one to God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, of which you've heard that is coming, and now is already present. You know, I was reading Matthew Paris in the Times, and I was like, I wish you lived near me, because I just want to say, you know, he's just trashing, you know, mocking all these like happy churches, you know, do their guitars, and you know, like the Wesleys who said there were Holy Spirit visions, and you know, it's all junk. 
And he said, I've always had respect for Jesus as a person. But I just cannot believe his paternity, that he is from God. And I was just like, I, this, I mean, he's a lovely man, you know, and he's got a lovely voice if you ever listen to him. But it is, it is just wrong and it's false. And we'll look at that in, in just a moment. Okay? You all right out there? <laughs> Little children, you are from God and have conquered them. For the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. I'm going to come back to this from a, uh, in just a minute. What it doesn't say is, little children, you are from God and you're going to be a marginalized presence and just be eh, a little bit weak till the end of time, then you'll die and then da la la la. That's not what it says. Little children, you are from God and have conquered every opposing voice, every opposing spirit. You have conquered them. For the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore what they say is from the world, and the world listens to them. It is impossible to serve the Lord Jesus and never have any conflict in life. And we're not used to this where we live, because we live in the West and largely our lives are pretty safe and comfortable. But it is impossible to serve the Lord and there not be resistance coming from zone two, from the devil, and resistance from the devil, perhaps speaking through people around you. We, we've had, like, if, you, if there's one, one person we've been talking about this year, what would you say in our church? Who have we been talking about? Jesus. Jesus. We love him, don't we? We love him. We're giving our whole lives to him. Yet we've had other people in other churches, not our church, writing to our lovely bishop, saying, they're this, they're that, there's heresy, they're blah, blah, blah. I'm just like, Pfft. you know, like, it's, it's weird. But then I was like, ah, this is good. Because if there's never any challenges, then we're maybe not really living the life Jesus called us to. Following him, taking up our cross, not to have a persecution complex upon us, but to be realistic about the fact that when God sends us out, worldly acceptability is just not going to happen. But God will confirm his truth and his light and his presence in his church where there'll be light and joy and freedom and peace because that's where he is. Okay, I'm going to back up and look now have you ever been in a discussion with anybody and they've said, I refuse to believe that Jesus Christ came in the flesh? Maybe, maybe a little bit. Have you ever, um, uh, but have you ever um, been accosted by somebody who said, do you know what, I am just wanting to curse you now and just release just uh, evil on you because Jesus hasn't come in the flesh? Probably hasn't come like that, has it? Sorry, it's a trick question. I'm probably saying you probably haven't. Um, so what, does, what is John getting at when he says you know the spirit that confesses that Jesus came in the flesh? Well, I just want to show you 10 truths 
about the fact that God incarnated himself in, as a real human being, Jesus of Nazareth, 2,000 years ago, and how that helps us understand some of the confusion going on in the world. The first one is that Christianity is utterly different to every other form of spirituality or religion on planet Earth. Have you ever been talking to someone and they've said, said back to you, well, kind of all religions are just sort of the same, really. They all just sort of melt into one. Isn't it all about loving people? I was chatting with a chap who was fixing a black box to my son's car because he just started driving for his insurance. And he said that to me. And, and I was like, when he finished saying, um, I, I just said, you're awesome. You're brilliant. But can I just say, Christianity is utterly different to every other religion. Every other form of spirituality is trying to reach up to God to earn his pleasure, to try and do the right thing, to try and honour a higher reality. And in Christianity, God did the opposite. He came down to us and reached out to us. Even when we were reaching out to him, he was born to unite us back to himself rather than demanding us to stretch out and try and do something that seems impossibly out of our grasp. So the first thing is that Christianity is different than every other form of spirituality or religion because he came to us and was born in the flesh. Secondly, if Jesus wasn't born in the flesh, then his sacrifice would not be effective for you and I to be set free. Now what I mean by that is that James put out so brilliantly, I was like, thy will be done. I mean, did you hear it? I was like, Oh my goodness, <laughs> we're going to stand before God and he's going to say, thy will be, we'll say, thy will be done. Or he'll say, that. And I was just like, ah, my goodness, wow. Would well, you know, you and I will stand before God and if we stand before him unclean, we will face his sadness and his rejection as we reap what we've chosen. But when Jesus came in the flesh and laid down his life, he was laying down his life as one of us. So that when he was crucified and they stretched out his hands 2,000 years ago, that meant simply by believing in him, you and I could be forgiven of every terrible thing, every, every lying thought, every time we deceived or you know, hurt somebody, we could be forgiven and cleansed and come to God looking pure and blameless in his sight because of Jesus. But that is not effective if he didn't come in the flesh as one of us because we're trying to make a sacrifice that we could never make fully so he came as Jesus and made it for us. Are you all right out there? Okay, the third thing is, if Jesus didn't come in the flesh, if that wasn't God in the flesh, then who was it? And we've got to work out, was it just a religious seller or who was it? The fourth, uh, I'm losing my count. The fourth thing is, if he didn't come in the flesh, then none of the fulfillment of the Jewish prophets and kings and law and judges would be realized in Jesus. Do you know when you accept Jesus in, you're accepting everything that God promised before Jesus. Because 2 Corinthians chapter 1 says that in him, all of God's promises from the Old Testament are yes and amen. 
So we would still be waiting for a Messiah. We'd still be waiting for someone to fulfill the law. We'd still have to live up to the old covenant that God established through the Jewish people. Number five or number six or number seven or number eight. I've lost my count. But anyway, one of those. The importance of Jesus coming in the flesh is that if we don't have that, then we do not have a God that understands our suffering. Have you ever felt abandoned, pooed on, (laughs) smited, rejected, reviled? Have you ever had just an awful period in life? Well, when we come to God, we know that he is not far off and distant, not expecting something of us that he did not go through and know himself. Because when Jesus was beaten with a whip, when he was rejected by the religious authorities, abandoned by his followers, betrayed by his closest friend, that is where you and I say, God, thank you that you are a God who understands our sufferings and came inside them and came to lead us out. And that just brings me comfort when someone kicks me on the butt or writes a letter to my bishop. I think, thank goodness that they said stuff of Jesus, and if it's good enough for Jesus, it can be good enough for me. Number six or number seven or number eight. If Jesus hadn't come in the flesh, then what he invites of us is completely impossible. Jesus lived as the most wonderful person, but the the miraculous thing he said as he was leaving the earth to return to his father, he says, The things that I've been doing, you will do. Even greater things than these. So when Jesus drew near to someone with an incurable disease and it left, he was saying, you're going to do that stuff as well. John chapter 20, verse 21. As the Father has sent me, Jesus said, so I'm sending you. When Jesus spoke with authority and suddenly confusion just left, that's the same life that he's called us to. When Jesus encountered scarcity of food and took a lunchbox and multiplied it to feed 5,000 people, that's the type of life that he's called us to live. Not to get off on ourselves on the experience, but simply to replicate him here on earth. Now, if Jesus was doing that as Superman God on earth, then that would really be impossible for you and I. But Jesus, when he left heaven and was born in a stable 2,000 years ago, emptied himself of his God-like qualities, which means the very characteristic that defines God, which is omnipotence, the ability to do anything, he laid aside. But when he went into the waters of baptism, age 30, and the Holy Spirit came down upon him, that's when he was able to stretch out a hand and leprosy would leave. Or that's when someone could touch his coat and 12 years of menstrual bleeding could be healed instantly. Now that means for you and I, as he emptied himself of his omnipotence, when we empty ourselves of our James stuff, and the same Holy Spirit comes down on us, then it is perfectly reasonable to expect that when I stretch out a hand or you stretch out a hand, disease will leave. Sorrow will be healed. 
You know, minds will come into peace for the first time because it's not you and I being magical. It's Jesus through his Holy Spirit moving through our lives. This last week, we've hosted um, a load of uh, vicars and church leaders for a retreat here. And oh my goodness, you know, just they came in like battle scarred, you know, weary, tired, fatigued. And this one vicar from southwest London came and he suffers from night terrors. Reading this passage, demons hounding him in his sleep. And on day one, we were opening up the fact that God is a father to us and his heart was just being softened up. Tuesday night, he spent the night you know, in terror, didn't sleep a wink, staggered in Wednesday morning and he was broken. And in 25 minutes, he lay on the floor, broken before God. Something left him. And he spent the next 24 hours hysterically laughing at the joy that God had filled him with. I was one of those little horrible spirits just leaving afflicting his life and the spirit coming from zone three filling him with what what zone three is filled with joy you know even when life is crap joy is a is available and abundant for us i'm sorry i shouldn't have said that but it's just a reality life is like that but there's joy for you and i because we live with the person of Jesus sending his spirit that brings the economy, the atmosphere of what happens in zone three into our lives. Which means we're not plastic like Stepford Wives. It just means that we're receiving what, was, what is his, his nature, his goodness into our lives. And so, but, but what I'm trying to illustrate is the guys who are praying with him, you know, sometimes people say, ah, oh, it's just psychosomatic. You know, it's mind control. Well, have you ever tried mind control? Have you ever tried it? When someone's really sort of... Mm, mm. It's, like, it's, like, it's like laying an egg, isn't it? It's kind of... It's a sort of... It's not eggs coming out. It's like... <laughs> um, and, and it doesn't work if you tried it. You know, try, try and find someone who's sad and use mind control. You know, it's... Just, I don't know. But simply saying, darkness, leave. You have to leave. Light come, joy come. And it changed his life. Changed his life. Number eight or number nine or number ten. If Jesus didn't come in the flesh, then our revelation of God is still lacking. So Jesus is God's best. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen my Father. There's nothing hidden. And sometimes a bit of spiritual wanderlust can affect the church. Oh, you know, you're looking for some secret knowledge or, you know, these YouTube things are like hounding my feed and da la 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 la. No. What Jesus comes to unite us with is the Father who lives in zone three, who when we die, we're going to be with forever and ever and ever. And it's not going to be boring because he's going to show us eternally, layer after layer of his majesty and his glory and his splendor. And we're going to say in response, he peels back another layer and says, here's who I am. We're going to say, you are worthy. 
And then it'll say, see another aspect of my, my goodness. And we're going to say, you are worthy. And we're going to do that forever and ever and ever. Gazing into his eternal goodness and his eternal glory. But we don't need anything more. Because his son has come to unite us with that now. Jesus is the last word. We had stuff through the prophets and, and, and judges. That's Hebrews 1 verse 1. But in him has come the last word. And he's beautiful and incredible. Because Jesus came in the flesh, I think this is number nine. If, we don't, if he hasn't come in the flesh, that, does not, that would mean that death would be the end. Because he came as a human being, and when he died three days later and he rose from the grave, he was opening the door for every human being who would accept him after that. That's why the Bible calls him the firstborn of all creation, even though there had been thousands of years of, of biblical history before Jesus. He was the firstborn, raised from the dead. And because he died and was raised again, and death was shown to be beneath him, that means you and I, when we die, will be raised again with him. And death will no longer be the final word in, on our lives. And for all the evidence of that, James and Jenny are your people. Finally, number 10. Because Jesus came in the flesh, that means we can believe in God's restoration project. Because Jesus came as the last Adam. That's what 1 Corinthians 15 calls him. That means Adam and Eve were always meant to be with God forever and ever and ever living here on earth in perfect harmony with him. And yet they threw it away. And so God sent Jesus as a final Adam, a last Adam, a second Adam. And that meant that God's original plan was restored and relaunched again. And what that means for you and I, because Jesus is the last Adam, is that he, he is now the archetype of what it means to be a human being in relationship with God. And what that means is that the same relationship that Jesus had with the Father is the same relationship that you and I have with the Father also because we have been incorporated in Christ. This is the importance of this. Now, I don't know if you would agree with that. Do you agree with that? How does this help us? Have you ever heard somebody say to you, um, well, that's fine. I'm just not really keen on organized religion. And, you know, I'm quite spiritual, but, you know, not really into, it seems, seems just a bit too exclusive to think about Jesus and him alone. Anyone ever had that? What did you say? don't know do we <laughs> I took a wedding about a month ago and we were waiting for the bride to arrive me and the wedding photographer from Shoreham and we talked for a few minutes and then I, I just said to her D do you believe in God do you know Jesus I was the conversation was probably getting a bit boring <laughs> so I just thought let's just cut to the chase and um 
so of course, I was, you know, and she said, well, you know, I'm, I'm quite spiritual and, um, uh, you know, I kind of like practice spirituality a bit and, you know, I kind of, I, it's lovely what you do, but, you know, it's, it's kind of all, I'm sort of a bit beyond that and, um, you know, uh, <laughs> so I said, wow, you're brave and sort of turned away. <laughs> And I said, what? I said, and listen, I'm telling this story to help equip us, not to disrespect her in any way. I said, wow, you're brave. I said, what do you mean? I said, well, I was, I was just thinking to myself, you're, you're brave and, and you're an expert as well. I said, what do you mean? I said, okay, so, so without any clarity, without any uncertainty, you put your head in a, f- a spiritual fog and, you know, that just seems really brave to me. She said, what do, you, what do you mean? I said, well, how does it feel when you practice your spiritual stuff? And she said, oh, I, I feel a bit, it makes me feel a bit peaceful. I said, okay. And then she said, you know, it's funny because always, it always gives me a migraine afterwards. <laughs> I said, okay. So I said, I, I just want to say to you, you know, we don't have to have a fog of uncertainty and we do not have to have migraines because God came as one of us in Jesus so that spiritual stuff wouldn't have to be unclear. We could be united with the creator of the universe and he is the one who gives us life and joy and peace and he heals our migraines. He doesn't want us to be in pain. And she was like, oh, now you're just trying to, trying to persuade me. And I, I said, well, let me just say, you, you know, I must just say you're a wonderful expert because you just sort of summarized everything that I've given my life and vocation and career to as being like all the rest. And it really is not like all the rest. You know, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came as we are as one of us. No other religion or spirituality does that. To, to unite us. And, and all he invites us to do is to believe in him. And when we believe in him, he comes to live inside of us. And to bring us certainty and peace, not only in our lives now, but forevermore. And I said, hey, listen, I just started asking her some questions about her life and uh, just that I felt the spirit was giving me and, she, and that, you know, and then the bride came, and um, then we went through the wedding, and um, she came, came and found me afterwards, and she was like, you fired me up now. I couldn't stop thinking about it all through that service. And it just, she said, it sounded so narrow. How can it be only Jesus? And yet it just made perfect sense. Made perfect sense. I said, well, listen, you know where we are. You know where we are. The day and age we're living in hates things that are only the one way. But God doesn't force himself on anybody. But he sent his son and he reaches out and appeals to all of us. And you and I do not have to be afraid of any of the junk coming down the tracks in the world today. Because Jesus Christ has made a way for truth and clarity and peace for all of us. And it's even greater than that. 
because he's come to live inside all of us. Little children, you are from God, verse 4, and have, and have conquered them. For the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. That's not a beef ourselves up. That is a recognizing that Jesus Christ lives in me. Jesus' Father, my heavenly Father, dwells in me because of the Holy Spirit. And so I can walk into one of the towns in the county that feels a bit weird or a bit heavy, or I can meet somebody who's very whatever, and I am carrying the presence of God who is way more powerful than anything. You know, I was, I was saying at the nine, I love how, you know, if you watch the movie of the Chronicles of Narnia, how they portray uh, the slaying of Aslan the lion. And all these ghosts and ghouls and demons and jinns and sprites come out and, the, and they kill the lion. And it's quite scary, isn't it? How they portray it. But he rises. And it's an allegory of Jesus. Every evil spirit, every demon, every force of evil was thrown against him and took his human life. And when God raised him from the dead, he showed that the worst in life pales before God, who has overcome even death itself. Even death itself. And that's what makes sense of, you know, when Colossians 2 says, on the cross he disarmed all the principalities and powers. It means that you've tried your best, but you can't take this. Now, life might go well for us, life might be a challenge at times for us, but nothing can steal the eternal inheritance that lives inside every single one of us. Nothing can steal it. So they can write their letters. They can, you know, I mean, we've, you know, we've faced some interesting things in our lives. You know, we haven't lived in, you know, some of the countries where there's intense persecution. We've had our windows smashed in. We've had curses released against us. You know, witches take around, like, all that sort of stuff. But we know that a force greater than death lives inside of us. I remember uh, not long after we moved here, a lady in our communities literally told me that she was cursing um, me and <laughs> seeking to take me down uh, for everything that we were trying to do in these villages. And she leaned across the table and it was like, you know, coming at me. So she sort of finished, so I went, <laughs> well, what do we do now? <laughs> you just told me you're trying to kill me. By telling you that I'm going to love you. I'm going to love you until we become friends. <laughs> Does this make sense? Hey, listen, there's some junk in the world, but God is on the move and he loves us. And I don't know whether there'll come a time where some stuff hits the church in this country. But I am going to wait until 
If this happens, the police car pulls up on my drive and pulls me from my house because I'm going to be focused on what God is doing and what he is releasing from zone three into the earth. I could probably say more, but I don't want to lose the opportunity to pray this morning. Because, it, is that all right, everyone? Do you feel some confusions left? Does this help? We're just going to dislodge despair and fear this morning, but we're going to do that in the presence of the Lord Himself. I just see, like, see, um, what's been going on in Zone Two is just, a, just a heavy. Uh, anybody resonate with that? I feel like God just wants to release His life, and what that's going to look like is His joy coming into our hearts this morning. 